Jimmy Smith, goes for the shot in the back of the net. Keep your eye on goal of the day. That's got to be a contender early on. He takes the right for the shot. Oh, my goodness me! And you, would, as a Crawley fan, begin to believe the three points are yours. It's the best night of Crawley Town's lives. And there may be more to come. Hello and welcome to episode 7 of Straight Red, the CTFC podcast by fans for fans. In today's episode, we're going to have a season overview, have a look at the matches coming up at the Broadfield Stadium and away. We've got Sergio Says, Broadfield Buzz is a packed edition today. We have an interview with Joe Comper, the commercial manager, uh, in light of the stadium sponsorship recently. We asked the big question we've asked you on social media and then we'll look at what's coming up around the ground in the coming weeks in added time. Well, hello and welcome to Straight Red. It's been, well, quite some time, just over a month, in fact, Ewan. Uh, November the 14th, I think, was the last time that we put out a podcast. So apologies that it's been so long. But, uh, well, Ewan was on holiday in Australia. How was that, Ewan? Absolutely wonderful. Thank you. I was listening to the, um, or watching the Twitter feed on the club account at 2am in Sydney on the 8th of December on that game. Which game was it? I forget. But I, 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 I was awake at 2am in Sydney um, having my Reds fix, as it were. Good. Well, well done for, for keeping in touch. I feel like when we last did a podcast, it was fairly positive. Um, All our podcasts are positive. Well, I mean, as in, as in terms of the form, oh, okay. probably. It was fairly positive. Nothing too bad was going wrong. I feel like we've come back to some horrific incident that has uh, taken place. So no beating around the bush. Let's dive straight into this and talk about the form. So, Ewan, Crawley have won three games in all competitions since the beginning of October. They've won one in their last six. The last game, they were beaten 2-0 by Macclesf- Macclesfield, who are currently bottom of the table in League Two. Crawley currently six, sit 16th on 26th points, um, and they're seven points above the drop zone. Is it really all that bad, as the stats would suggest? Do you know what? I, I kind of feel like a gullible supporter at the moment. I say that because every single season, we, we t- this season has turned into every single season of the last four or five. You start the season quite well. We get fairly excited. We're around about seventh, eighth, ninth position. And then all of a sudden, before Christmas, we're at the Cups and we know we're just going to be dragging around between sort of 12th and 18th the rest of the season. I, I mean, I'm the most, I, I feel like I'm a very positive person, and I, I've got complete ambitions and faith that something can happen, turn around. If you have a good Christmas, everything changes, but it's just falling into that typical, typical crawly season. And as you've mentioned, uh, this is going to be a really positive podcast. We've got loads of great things to talk about, but unfortunately, we've got to start kind of at the bottom and then work our way up, haven't we? It, it, it's not good. The form is is poor. A couple of players out. Obviously, Jimmy Smith's been out. Vince Lowe's been out. So we're missing some really key players. Um, and I'm, I've seen quite a few things. Um, it, it's the minority, I think. I'm, I'm, I'm certain it is. But uh, calling for Chioffi already. Alan I was, g- was getting to say. It's ridiculous. There's so many that I have seen fans already who have, have been saying, yes, do, oh, do we, do we cut him? I, it, oh, do you know what? He's been here like three months. Why is that a question that's already been asked? I, I, this I, really I, annoys me it's about one, I think it's just one of those typical uh, football questions now. Like somebody's not doing well. If a, pl- if a, if a manager's at your club for, for five years, he's going to go through some really bad patches. He's having a poor patch at the moment. Yeah, six away games without a win or, or losses even. That's terrible. That's really bad. But three months ago, um, 
Everybody loved him three months ago, but he did that obviously at the end of the game with the first couple of home wins of the first couple of home wins that he had. Um, everybody's absolutely adoring him. You can't turn on somebody that quickly, surely. Can't, it's not possible. Um, well, I think he's a great. Some people guy. can. He, he, they clearly can. He's inherited somebody else's team. That team was ingrained into a, a, a certain tactical regime, sort of um, out from the back, down the wings, cross it in. He's had to change that around. He hasn't even had a window yet to get any players in. Whether we can afford any players, I, I've no idea. But um, now, whenever I see those, it's just a, what are you thinking? Come on, give the guy a break. But what happens if I now told you that, bearing in mind, seven, Claudia is seven points above the drop zone, they're only eight points off the playoffs. It's 50-50, isn't it? It's right in the middle. I mean, it, it's no different to any other season from the last four or five years. We're in exactly the same position. Um, I think it, it's. I think it might be less people getting angry at Chioffi and the team, and more it's just angry. It's the same old, same old. It's just. It's just what we're used to. And at the end of the day, you have got to remember, we're Crawley Town. We're in reality. No matter how much you like to sort of be positive and ambitious, we're a bang average League Two team. And if we if we get top ten, we've overperformed as a club. We absolutely have. We get we get gates of two thousand. We don't have much of a budget. Um, I, I know they sort of the owners pay lip service and say yes, we're going to be in Championship ten years. We've got this X budget. I haven't seen any of that yet. I haven't seen anything in the last couple of years recently. Nothing's changing at all. Well, talking about the same old, same old, just to give you a bit of uh, context to how Crawley are doing this season, if this will make you feel any better. So. 2018 today, after 21 games, Crawley is 16th in the league, 26 points, uh, minus six goal difference. This time last year, exact same time, I think it was 22 games, in fact, at that point, they were 17th, so only one point below. On 24 points, that's two points worse off, and minus seven goal difference. The year before that, in 2016, they were 11th, so a slightly better season, but on 29 points, so only three points better. And then the year before that, in 2015, they were 16th, so the same position on 28 points. So it's kind of where we've been sat. Absolutely. And I mean, like I said, if you have a good Christmas, let's say we win, something crazy happens, we win four out of those five Christmas games. We're back in like the top, t- you might be scratching top 10. And so everything turns around again. All of a sudden, everybody loves Chioffi and can we get to the playoffs? Realistically, it's unlikely. I think if we finish in the top half, it would be an absolutely awesome season. The way it's going at the moment depends if we can get these injured players back in the squad. So some of you mentioned that uh, you wanted to talk about the stats and stuff like that. So we've done that. Now I thought we'd move on to a bit more of a a tactical analysis. So looking at Crawley season uh, from more kind of uh, how they play, play football, really. So obviously... Two real main managers that Crawley have had this year in terms of 2018, but also this season. Uh, I guess if we just briefly overlook the fact that uh, we had Jimmy and... Um, Romain? Marais, no, sorry. Marais, <laughs> yes, Marais in charge for for a few games. But Harry Kiel and Chelsea, obviously, the two two main men in charge. Harry Kiel, very much play it out from the back kind of person and then up along the winds, cross it into the box and see if someone can get a head or a foot or something on it to put it in the back of the net. Now, would you say that generally people were not happy with this because playing out from the back cost Crawley goals and games at times as well? The problem with it, it was so bloody predictable. Um, and Cure made me laugh on a couple of occasions when he complained that we went out to away teams and they knew how we were going to play. Because you're saying this play the same football every single week. So I don't think, maybe not the, the particular that style was bad. It was just, it was so predictable and it got boring. Anybody in the entire stadium, home and away fans, knew it was going back to Morris. It was going out to the wing backs. It was going to the wing. It was going to try and get crossed into Palmer. And if he didn't hit it in, then it started play again. 
it was the same. Every single passage of play was exactly the same. The thing I like about Choffy is, you saw it from the first game he came in, we were running down the middle and we were making runs into the boxes. There weren't the crosses into the box. You had the likes of um, Nathaniel George and, and everybody's favourite player, Lewis Young and Palmer. They were taking runs and running into the box and we scored some awesome goals with that as well. I think that, I think the style, the change in the style of play has been an absolute breath of fresh air. The problem is at the moment we're shipping so many goals in and can I point out that it's not Glenn Morris's fault. I still think he's the player of the season. Even though we've lost sort of three of the last seven games, it's been 6-2, 4-0, 5-1. Some of those games, he's still the best player on the pitch. There's there's just nothing in front of him. And also, I think that with Gabriel Trophy, it's far more adaptable football. So, yes, we'll play down the middle and stuff, but we'll also play down the wings if we need to. And he kind of, I feel like he changes it game to game depending or even during the game depending upon the opposition what I they think, throw at us. yeah adaptable is absolutely the right word and we've had a few formation changes played three at the back quite a lot when he came in as well and, and chopped things around um, I still love the idea of wing backs and things um, your favourite player Lewis Young well, you know what? I'm, Glenn Morris is my favourite player. Don't get me wrong. Okay. But I, I um, again, I, I'm not a fan of um, the beration that Lewis Young gets. I think he has been an absolute stalwart for the club. He's currently on the longest um, in a, in a in a in one current um, uh, run most appearances. I know Danny Bowman's had more as a career over three sort of um, times at the club. But Lewis Young, he doesn't get the credit he deserves for the longevity he's had at the club, the influence he has in the change room as a young man and a gentleman as well. We've heard lots of stories about how great he is as a person. I've met him several occasions, spoken to him when I was working at the club as well. He's a great guy, a great guy to have around the club and an ambassador for Crawley Town as well. So I'm just trying to nail down where this, uh, I guess, unhappiness from the fans is sort of lying. Would you say that you personally are more unhappy with the position in the table that Crawley are currently in or that the way... Crawley are playing? That is a really good question, Jonathan. And I mean, because I, 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 I've been on holiday, I've missed sort of three of the last five games, which I haven't done for years. Um, so I can't comment too much on the current form. Um, and I mean, going for the last few games I went to, I wasn't particularly upset with the, the style of football. Um, uh, it's really hard to pin down, you know. Um, I mean, I went to South End away and that was a fantastic game. Craig got behind the team and we went from 1-0 down to being be back in the game. Great performance. And then maybe when when the return leg of that South End game, fantastic 90 minutes, then we just died on our asses. There, there was there was no energy there, nothing there whatsoever. As soon as that third goal went in, that was it. We were absolutely gone. Um, I'm not upset with the style of play. I quite, I quite like watching quality so you, play. So you wouldn't change anything? No, of, not of much. No. I think we've been really unfortunate with the injuries and with people getting in. And again, January is going to be really important for, for Gabby to see if we can get some loan signings in. Um, so we'll have to wait and see on that. But no, I'm not upset with the style of football as such. Um, it's just the, it's the consistency. You can have one game where we're fantastic when we beat um, Newport 4-1. Unbelievable game of football. And then a week later, you're, you're losing sort of 4-0 and 6-2. It, it's, the, it's the inconsistency that is frustrating. But I love watching Crawley Town, even when we're playing good or bad, because the great thing about League Two football as a whole, you can go away to Lincoln and you can beat the top of the league. You can go away to Macclesfield and lose at the bottom of the league. It, it, it's always, you never know what's going to happen in League Two. And that's why I love it. Yeah, from, from a neutral point of view now, like... Football is just incredible, isn't it? That 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 can happen. Mm-hmm. That, that the bottom team can that beat you, no, and then no, you can beat the top and team. And there's no other league. You you can do it a little bit in the Premier League, but the further you come down the pyramid, the more likely it can happen. Anybody can beat anybody on their day. 
So if the tactics and the way that Paul Crawley are playing it is kind of okay and you're happy with that, I guess we look towards the, the team members um, and I guess maybe ask questions of them, maybe ask questions of are the right players there? Who who would you, would you add someone to the squad? Who would be on your Christmas wish list, I guess? We'll come on to this a bit later because we asked a question today, um, which you've all answered absolutely fantastically in the big question, which is which former Reds player would you bring back into the team? And where Crawley's, Crawley's always done very, very well, I think in sort of January in the in the loan windows, is bringing in players like when we brought in Andy Drury, Carlana Hearn Grant, those impact players that can drag you away from that sort of bottom six battle and into something where you might anticipate maybe even get towards the top ten. They need one of those impact players, maybe even two, um, to turn that team around. And again, if we can get some of those injured players back in, Jimmy's obviously not coming back this year, but he's a, he's a massive, massive loss. But um, people like Remain and, and I guess to try and squeeze an answer out of you, if you maybe not a specific player but a position, mm -hmm. would you go for? Would you try and fill up the attack, attacking positions, the defensive midfield? We need a second striker, and I hate to say it, Connolly's not having his best season. He's, he he almost looks past it, unfortunately, this year at least. I reckon a, a massive centre-back and, and a good, tall, half-decent striker. If we can get that in the window, then you, you know, do you know what my prediction is for the January window? Go on. John T. Smith on loan from Lewis. Do you, So, John T. Smith is, I thought he was a, a good player when we had him. Do you still rate him? I think he's put on about two stone in muscle and he's banging in the goals at Lewis. Local boy. I mean, he, he can't, his wages can't be much. Um, and I think we, we need, we've we got to get a striker in the window. We can't, we cannot keep relying on Ollie Palmer. Nobody else is getting the goals in. Jonty's getting the goals at a much lower level. He knows the club fairly well. I think the fans will get behind him. Um, if he, even if he was on a, like a one-month loan to begin with, and see what he can do. If he if he's adapted yet to playing slightly um, sort of more aggressive and, and physical football, we'll see. Um, but that that's just my prediction based on a bit of news I saw today. Oh, a bit of news. <laughs> Watch out for a Broadfield buzz. <laughs> oh, I'm looking forward to this. You're uh, you're very very good at uh, researching all of these different areas. There we go. If the clubs are listening to any of this, <laughs> Ewan's got Jonte Smith on his Christmas wish list. <laughs> So hopefully, Jonathan, that is the lowest um, ebb this podcast will get to. Where we just everything is positive from here on in. So let's have a look at the upcoming matches. So we've got five. The festive period is always packed with games. We've got five coming up, three in December, two early in January. So we've got Carlisle uh, at home, two away games, Cambridge and Newport on Boxing Day on the 29th. Then January starts with two home fixtures against Colchester and Cheltenham. Yeah, so I think Carlisle probably would have happened by the time this podcast has come out. It's technically... It's tomorrow. Tomorrow. <laughs> uh, so if you can work your head around this one to work out what day we've recorded this podcast on. But my hope, I guess, for December, so those three fixtures between Cambridge, Carlisle and Newport, I'll hope for five points, but I'll be happy with four. So a win against Cambridge, a draw or a win against Carlisle at home, and then Newport... They're doing really well in the playoffs, although they have had a shaky form-wise. And we beat them 4-1 in yes, October. that as Come well. On. But we are playing away and Newport's ground, you know, hostile fans in the nicest way. So it's not the, an easiest crowd to play in front of either. For more of a professional approach and opinion on all of this, we've got Sergio, who's coming with, with a load of uh, so predictions. Sergio says, well, we missed the last game, uh, the last podcast, simply because I forgot to text him. Um, no more um, serious than that. So Sergio says is back. I've spoken to him today. 
His predictions, Jonathan, are this. Home to Carlisle, one all. Away at Cambridge, 1-0 win. Away at Newport, 2-1 loss. Forgive him that one. Home to Colchester, 2-all. And home to Cheltenham, a 3-1 win. So he's gone over the festive period, two wins, one loss and two draws. Eight points. Take that right now. Yeah, I, I'd be more... I mean, it pretty much lines up with what I've just said. I think I'd be more than happy with that. I think Crawley need some kind of solidification in terms of their form in order to, to really push onwards. Because at the moment, obviously, not a good... What's got to change? We, we've got to get an away win. Six losses on the road in a row. I, I, th- I believe that's the worst in our professional history. Six. In Very a row. quickly, is yeah. there an easy way? Can you see something that is the reason for us losing away? Do you know what? I, we, I think we asked this a little while ago, and something really interesting came out. The Broadfield, uh, sorry, the People's Pension <laughs> Stadium pitch. We'll come on to this. Is is very good. Away pitches tend to not be as good. And so, uh, more than one person pointed out that away pitches tend to be quite bobbly, play our home games on a fairly good pitch and, and do all right. We can't play on bad pitches when we go away. Also, Macclesfield, I don't know if you saw the conditions there. Horrific. Horrendous. Yeah. Like, mm. I didn't even like looking at it, mm. let alone, could you imagine playing in it? Yeah, so, um, I mean, who knows what the answer is to that one. We, we seem to... Oh, I don't know. You could talk about it all day long, couldn't you? Um, at the end of the day, I think when you get one win away, it will just like break that duck. Maybe it's a mental block at the moment. Six losses away. That's more than just poor form. That's almost confidence. You don't you you feel like you can't win away uh, for for some reason. So hopefully that gets turned around. And uh, like I mentioned before, Christmas for every single club in the league, it's massive. It's that period where you're halfway through the season, and you can either push on with a good Christmas or you sort of fall back into that bottom six or eight, and you know if you don't have a great Christmas or festive period, it's going to be a long drag to the end of the season, which we've experienced plenty of times before. So we know we can go through it, but I really do hope we can kick on. And before we leave um, Sergio's section, did you see the 4K trailer for his documentary? Yes. Wasn't it good? How excited are you? Very excited. <laughs> Gen- genuinely, that is another thing on my Christmas wish list yeah. is, is to be able to see that in the so, new year. So um, you can pre-order that soon, out in early 2019. One thing I loved about the trailer, in the opening scene, he stood on Brighton Beach. Um, and he's in, he's in his matching jogging bottoms and hoodie, which I love. And he's got one sock at normal ankle length and the other one sort of half tucked into his sock by accident. <laughs> oh, I, I can't wait for it. I'm really looking forward to it. The trailer's great as well. Starring Matt Caindring, Carol Bates. Uh, I'm sure there's other people um, been interviewed for that documentary. I think Bruce Tolbert has the, the manage, um, general manager at Crawley has as well. I'm sure there's plenty of people that are looking forward to their 15 seconds of fame in that documentary. Also, a really cool poster, don't you think? It is good. Yeah, yeah, it's it's great. So we are all looking forward to that. Sergio, if you're listening, we can't wait. Um, can't wait to give you our money and uh, get that DVD just after Christmas. Right, Jonathan, that's enough about On The Pitch. This is my favourite section today. It's Broadfield Buzz. It's been a month since the last, past, last podcast. So there is plenty to talk about. And a couple of real... Usually I just fly through things that are happening. There's a couple of conversation pieces here, OK? The first one and the most important piece I'm going to talk about is the new stadium sponsorship with the People's Pension. I've been in Joe Comper's position. I was commercial manager at Crawley for six years. Um, along with Matt Turner, I signed Checker Trade for the stadium deal. I know how hard it is to sell a stadium sponsorship and how important it is financially for the club. First of all, congratulations, Joe. Congratulations, Crawley. This is a, it's an incredible piece of sponsorship. And the, I, I think it's possibly, I mean, 
my heart is with, with Checker Trade. I, I got on with them very well and Kevin Byrne there. But the People's Pension, I think this is probably the, the greatest bit of sponsorship in the club's history. Is it a, a Crawley company as well? Crawley-based company on Manor Royal, uh, not-for-profit. They provide workplace pensions. Um, so you've rehearsed this? Oh, I, I, I was there when they oh, um, okay. uh, they did the, sure they did the East Stand. Trying so to I, slate you, but you've actually, <laughs> actually I, I, Well, it was myself and Matt that introduced them to the club when they did the East Stand a few years ago. But it's just grown and grown and grown. And you can only do that by good commercial management. So Joe has built a relationship with Patrick Heathlay there and Roy Porter, the CEO and marketing manager. Um, it's... Absolutely brilliant. I'm so proud of the club for, for sort of getting this over the line because I know it's hard to get over the line. It's gonna, I don't know what the figure is. It's going to be a massive amount of money. And to have a local company giving local money, employing local people, supporting their local club and local community, it doesn't get any better. They are sponsoring the shirt, the stadium, the stand. I think it's... I don't think there's any other club in the country where a local company is sponsoring so much of their local football club. It's absolutely fantastic. And the one thing... I mean, you saw the reaction on... on um, on social, and it was 95% positive. And that's changed a lot. When we did the Checker Trade deal several years ago, there was a lot of negativity because it had been the Broadfield Stadium since 1997, so like 15 years or so. And But I think the football environment has changed now where people understand and accept that People, clubs need income. And again, we only have 2,000 fans coming to regularly to games. Um, we don't sell many tickets. Um, we don't sell a huge amount of shirts. You've got to get your money from somewhere. So getting it locally is an absolute bonus. And 95% of the reaction was absolutely positive and absolutely rightly so. 5% of people g g gave this negative reaction. And i got uh, got to get your head screwed on. How In can terms you... of that they wanted the Broadfield Stadium still yeah, branded? Yeah, I mean, like, it'll always be the Broadfield. God, I hope it's not the people's pension. What, what is going through your head if you do not want a local company to be throwing money at your local football club? How can you not be proud and excited about that? I'll, n I'll never get my head around it. I mean, uh, yeah. I do completely agree with that. I will say I think the Broadfield as a name for a stadium sounds better as opposed to the people with pension. Yeah, but I think the positives outweigh, don't it? Yeah, do you, you know can what? get over that. You can call it what your buddy like. I don't care. Nobody's going to hold a gun to your head and say you've got to call it the people's pension. People are still going to call it the Broadfield and because that's you know, that's the lingo that that's what sort of the, the word that comes into your head. I said it earlier when I said the Broadfield Stadium, I corrected myself to the people's pension. I mean it's a sponsorship. On paper, it is the People's Pension Stadium for the next three and a half years. Fantastic. If you want to call it the Broadfield, call it whatever you like. But don't put down the club for putting through this commercial deal, which, again, it's absolutely incredible. And congratulations to the club. I'm completely and utterly behind it. And 95% of people are. On top of that, um, they've also done, uh, on, the, on the back of this sponsorship, People Pension are funding the first two games of next season. Fans can buy for £10, which oh, again, nice. is, it's incredible. They're, they're doing absolutely great stuff. And if anybody, well, like I said, the two names before, um, I know Patrick goes to every game pretty much and he's in the um, hospitality suite. If anybody sees him around, just give him like a little thank you because he's the guy behind it um, and he deserves the credit as much as Joe does as well. Yeah, incredible work from, from both parties. Mm -hmm. So uh, really exciting to see that as a, as a progression for the club yeah, going into the new year. And uh, the stadium is not the only change actually at the club. Also, did you see <laughs> the new dugout? No. Well, the dugout, uh, no, sorry, the, the tunnel, sorry, the tunnel uh, artwork has changed, leading out to the dugout. No, well, so inside, inside the... Yeah, yeah, it, it used to be fairly bland. Okay, so I, I have been there the other week, yeah. and I did see... It was did I have lots of um, old murals of old players on the walls? Yeah. And things? Yeah, that, that's changed. It used to be fairly bland. When I was there, we used to have some sort of photos up from the previous season. 
that players left so often and um, had to replace them every couple of months or so. So what they've done now, they've in completely covered the walls in murals, of former players, best times, and there's one section of the current crop of players as well. Uh, I think it looks absolutely great. So it's just another change to the stadium since we, um, since we last spoke. I thought it was worth mentioning. Oh, really nice. Exciting. So create a good atmosphere going out onto the uh, hallowed turf. Yeah, um, uh, so that's my um, bit about the uh, first bit of Broadfield Buzz, about the stadium sponsorship you want us to get out. The second point is also a talking point, Jonathan. This is a big talking point. Um, now, with the Northampton Town, ga Northampton Town game on the 8th of December, a missile was thrown and an assistant referee. Did you see it? Oh, yes, in the form of a plast empty yes, plastic empty yes. bottle. Yes, it's, it's an interesting one. It was obviously not great to see whatsoever. So that game also in general, I think, sparked a lot of uh, anger, should I say? I think it was the referee was like mostly at fault. I mean, I wasn't there, I was away, but I... I um, I mean, yeah, it was a one-nil loss to not a not a completely fantastic team, but I think the referee was uh, bore the brunt of uh, the aggression rather than the team as such. Um, obviously, that overflowed. Um, uh, one one fan in the West End um, went a bit over the top through that. Miss, I'm going to call it a missile because that's what it officially is at the assistant referee. Um, hit him very gently on the side. But I missed it, whether it's a coin, whether it's a bottle, whether it's a chair. It's, still, it's still the action, isn't it? The FA treat them the same, absolutely. Um, so that, that caused a storm, of course, on the uh, fan section of Facebook. Now, do you know what? I think uh, was basically Ross King posted the video on, on, on the Facebook channel and he said um, his comment was proper blue pass blue passport stuff from the West Stand. Disgusting to see. Thought throwing missiles of players when left was left in the dark ages in the 80s. I agree with that comment. A um, bit political with the blue passport stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but the, but the, the sentiment is absolutely correct. Um, now, there, there was over 100 comments on, in reaction to this video. I can game. imagine. And it, it's, it's, it's so hard to tell between the ones that are being serious about how bad it is and the ironic ones, the ones that are sort of taking the mick a little bit. And it's really, really hard to tell them apart. There were so many, I'm not going to go through them, but but have a look on, on the feed. It it shouldn't be funny to read. It is funny to read. The, the club have, I don't believe they've been fined, have they? Um, no, so um, I think it is important to also say that uh, whoever the fan was that was involved in it has apologised officially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think the FA have... Um, officially said that, yeah, that's fine, we'll accept yes. the apology, but if this happens again in the future, then we'll, we'll look at some other Absolutely, measures. Yeah, so so credit for coming forward. Shouldn't have done it in the first place, but credit for coming forward and also going to make a donation to the IFL's charity partner, which is Mind this year. Now, the real talking point here is the fan has been given a three-game ban. Is that sufficient? That very difficult question. Um, I Obviously, because, well... The action, I don't think that's sufficient enough for an action like that. Um, it was an empty plastic bottle, if you look at that at the end of the day. Uh, and so it didn't Is that really relevant? cause harm. Is it relevant what it was? No, because it was the action. <laughs> so you really, you really. It's, 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 it's a difficult question. I, this I is why I'm not in the position of the club, and this is why I'm not employed to do their job because it'd be incredibly hard. I don't think it's enough. There you go. That's that's my official answer. And I've been looking on the forum, um, and to just to just to gauge people's opinion, and they vary quite wildly. So I'm going to read a few out again. So uh, it was asked on the forum, is three games sufficient? Um, Tain Mead Leftover said, totally insufficient. I guess you give him some respect for admitting his guilt, but three matches is ridiculous. Three seasons would be more like it. Wow. Bit harsh. 
But hey, I maybe would have given him to the end of the season. Yeah, maybe. Um, Sultan said should have been a lifetime ban, in my opinion. Again, another end of the scale. Uh, Matt Cadre, no, it's an appallingly short punishment. As a minimum, it should have been until the end of the season. I think that's what we're getting towards the end of the season. Hardly sends a message that it's unacceptable. Uh, Jim said, as he came forward and admitted to the action, I would have said a ban to the end of the season would be appropriate. Three games isn't enough. Again, I think we're at that kind of level. Um, Now, this is a really, really good point Alex made on the forum. And he's going to play devil's advocate. See what he did there? Um, <laughs> a player would get a three-game ban for violent conduct. Conduct. Why is it not the same for a supporter? So a, a player does a violent tackle on a player, almost like a leg-breaking challenge. Doesn't break his leg, but it's, it's vicious. Um, and if he did that on a high street on a Saturday night, he'd get put in prison, get a fine, etc. A three-game ban. Why does the supporter deserve more than a three-game ban? Throw in a plastic bottle. Good question. It's um, a great, great point. Yeah, I, th- I think you've uh, silenced me with that one. I don't know. It's a really tough one. Yeah. It's a great point from Alex. Yeah, c- congratulations on that uh, comment. I really, really like it. And at the end of, other end of the scale, John the Gas said, uh, had the empty, because it hit, it hit the linesman, the bottle, and John the Gas says, had the empty bottle hit the most incompetent referee ever, the Fanishing should have been congratulated, awarded a knighthood, and given a free season ticket for life. <laughs> Well, there you go. Both so, extremes. Uh, var- varying um, degrees of punishment there. I think we'll settle somewhere in the middle on a ban to the end of the season. But uh, the, the official line is three-game ban. Whether it's enough, whether it isn't, is, is kind of irrelevant. Now. That's that's been the decision. Uh, the fan came forward, admitted it. Again, he, you can't do say too much about it, isn't it? But um, unfortunately, it seems to be happening a little bit more often. The incident with Deli Ali uh, at the Emirates just the other day. Again, it's ridiculous, isn't it? What it doesn't want to become is something that becomes common. There's kids in the stadium. Um, everybody's watching. It can't become commonplace and it can't become all right to do it. Or dare even we go wider and into the whole racism thing with Raheem Sterling and yeah, all of that. Absolutely, kind of yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But anyway, before we get into a, a minefield on that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, come on, we're keeping this sec- positive. Come on, next <laughs> section, Ewan. What's, what's um, next up? Right, just bring this up really quickly. The drone incident at Gatwick this oh, week. Of course. My goodness me, how does this relate to, to Crawley Town, you wonder? Now, obviously, that's been ridiculous, this situation that one or two drones can cause. Was it Reggie the Red flying the drone? It might have been, I don't know. <laughs> um, but on the BBC website, they had um, a article where they said five other instances where drones have caused havoc. What was at number four, do you think, Jonathan, in that list? A drone at Broadfield Stadium? It was a drone earlier in the year at the match between Yeovil Town and Crawley where the drone was flying 20 feet above the pitch before disappearing. Security staff had made sure the ground and areas were safe before the game was returned. I think it was Carol Bates' footage of that drone that got sort of most attention. But yeah, it actually stopped the game and that was number four on the list of most havoc caused by a drone. Crawley versus Yeovil. Crawley's claim to fame. Yeah, number one for reference was um, there's forest fires in California. And the uh, helicopters couldn't drop water on the fire because people were taking pictures of the fire with their drones. Crazy. Uh. There's going to be new laws coming in, surely. Uh, Next, coming up, uh, really positive stuff here from the club. Congratulations again. Players visiting Surrey Hospital Eastward to give all the kids presents. Love seeing that stuff around about Christmas. They've been to two or three hospitals, I believe. Always different players. So absolutely wonderful. Um, Winner, winner, chicken dinner, Jonathan. Reference? Do you know what that means? Have you been on the club website? 
No. If you don't know I know this, it's an item on a menu of a restaurant that I go well, to. Well, well, this is fantastic because from Monday, now on, Monday to Thursday, 11.30am till 6pm, all you've got to do is present your season ticket at Nando's oh, yes. and you get 20%, 20% off. off. Yes. How good's that? That's cracking. That's unbelievable. So, again, Monday to Thursday, 11.30am until 6pm, just present your season ticket at Nando's, 20% off. As if um, Nando's in Crawley wasn't busy enough. <laughs> I'm guessing it's just the Crawley one as well. I'm sure it is. Um, next point, only two points to go on Broadfield Buzz. I know it's a long one this afternoon, but hopefully they're all sort of very relevant and interesting points. Uh, we don't talk about him very much very often, but since the last, post, last podcast, Cure was sacked at Notts County after 10 weeks. I think you'll find we've spoken about him in every podcast. Mate, but only, only briefly, <laughs> but this might be the last ever time because he's gone back into the abyss now. I doubt we'll see him in the UK managing again. But yeah, sacked after 10 weeks. I think we got 300 grand for him. That's got to be the best deal the club's ever done. Yes, an incredible reaction, as per it's usual, hilarious. on Twitter from Crawley fans. Just uh, brilliant. He kind of got his just deserve in a way. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very happy. Um, reports have emerged. This is what the John T. Smith bit I was mentioning. Uh, last bit, reports have emerged uh, linking Swindon Town with 24-year-old Bermudan striker John T. Smith. But it's also understood that Oxford United, Mansfield and Crawley Town are also in the hunt to land the promising forward signature. Interesting. Very interesting. I'd hope that Crawley Town are the top of his list because of you know the, his proximity. Local, isn't it? Yeah, I, exactly. I've seen him around at the gym I go to as well. There so you go. And I he's think he's still a bit. I think, I think he might be ready for League Two. Let's give him a month contract um, uh, and and see how we go. And I've got to end Broadfield Buzz on uh, a sad note, unfortunately. On the 14th, 14th of December, this is from the GH Away Travel Twitter feed. Uh, we heard in the last week that we lost two of our most loyal supporters. Thoughts go out to the families of both Dave Lee and John Moon. Both have been supporters of the club for many years and had the pleasure of taking them to away games in the past. Very sad, uh, but I just thought I'd mention that in case people hadn't seen that on the Twitter feed. Maybe they're not on Twitter and they weren't aware. But it's very sad loss of Dave Lee and uh, John Moon. Well, like you had mentioned earlier on in Broadfield Buzz about the new stadium sponsorship deal and the hard work that Joe Comper has uh, put into getting that deal over the line, Ewan has uh, gone along to Crawley Town uh, to speak to the man himself about that stadium sponsorship deal, but also about uh, Joe being such a, a big Reds fan, but also a member of staff at the club too. So, Joe, thank you for joining us on Straight Red, the Crawley Town podcast. Um, you've officially made it, and you also have seen on the front cover of the Carlisle United programme. <laughs> what a week! What a week! As a kid, I would have loved to have been on the front page of the Crawley Town programme. Probably not in a suit, rather than being a kid. I was going to say, you're not you wearing go. a red shirt, you're wearing a, a maroon tie, white shirt, and jacket. <laughs> you, but, you, but either way, you've made it. You so, take what you can get. Yeah. Now, um, Joe, it's fair to say, prior to becoming commercial manager at the club, uh, you were already a, a lifelong loyal, and kind of say a vocal fan. Would that yeah, be fair? Yeah, fair. Um, and so, for those that don't know, just tell us very briefly your history of supporting Crawley Town. So, um, my my dad's been a Crawley fan probably since seventies, eighties. Um, my brother's been a fan since he was a kid, and, and he used to take me along to Town Mead. I don't remember much of Town Mead because I was <laughs> I was only six when we moved, but. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I remember very vivid memories of, of going there and then really probably became a, a sort of hardcore when once we'd moved here, early noughties in particular. So yeah. in um, the, the season we got promoted in from the Dr. Martins League into the conference, that was probably the season where I was hooked. Um, I only missed missed three games in the first season in the conference. And, wow. and from there, it's sort of, yeah, been 
That's it. I don't have another team. That's my team. Brilliant. And since becoming commercial manager in what? What? Only a couple of years ago, wasn't it? Or even maybe a uh, year and a half. Just a year, year and a half, half ago. Yeah. How has that changed? How you view the inner workings of the club? Because I know from the outside, uh, I've been in your position for for several years, and quite often you get the the comments like, "Oh, why haven't they announced this yet? Uh, why haven't we made that signing?" And now you've been inside the club. Has it changed your opinion on? And looking back, do you think, "Oh gosh, yeah, it's because of X or Y or Z"? Yeah. You certainly, I think the thing that people don't realise is there's always a reason for every decision. Yeah. You don't always agree with it, even internally, externally, you don't always agree with it. But at least when you're on the inside, you always get to hear that decision. Now, that's something Kelly, we're lucky to have Kelly because she's quite an open book and she will come and come and give you that answer publicly. Yeah. She invites people in to sort of say, look, this is why we do it. But equally, it's very difficult for a football club to remain professional and tell everyone what's going on. Absolutely, said, yeah. so, like, I see one recently, we're getting, um, oh, where's where's Mark Connolly? Well, well, Mark Connolly might be injured, but you don't want to go out and go, yeah, Mark Connolly's out for the next three games. And it could be completely private as well. But it could be completely mm. private. And, and also, the other the other opposition managers sitting there going, OK, they've got no Mark Connolly, yeah. and they can prepare for that. So whilst it's frustrating from a fan point of view, and I'd be going, why do we not know about this? Why do we not know about that? <laughs> Actually, the logic is... Keeping something in-house is beneficial to you running your business. Definitely. And uh, wonderful news this week with the announcement of the People's Pension Stadium sponsorship. Um, I know how hard it is from previous experience with the Checker Trade trying to get something like that of that magnitude over the line. What's the emotion for you personally? Is it re- relief, satisfaction, or, or what is it? Yeah, mass- massively relief. <laughs> we, we, we were just talking a minute ago before we recorded about the sleepless nights, and, and it's true. It, it sounds a bit cliche, but it's true. You wake up in the night and you're thinking, oh, what am I going to do? I need to get the stadium in. Especially as it's gone, it rumbled on really almost almost a year, mm-hmm. um, and and I gave a Theresa May talk at a fan forum about <laughs> how it was um, no deal was better than a bad deal and all that sort of thing, and, and, and it's true um, because it it is a there's two elements to it there's a financial element mm-hmm. so you're financially you've got that opportunity for the next three years four years however long to um, to do well for the club. But also, you've got to get the right partner mm-hmm. because you're basically aligning your brand with somebody yep. else's brand, and we're obviously really satisfied to align ourselves with the people's pension. But I had people say, "Oh, I'll give you, I'll give you X number, X amount of money, and I want to put my name above there." Well, I don't want to do that as a fan, as yep. a commercial mm-hmm. manager. None of the fans would want to do that yep. just to, to feed someone's ego, basically. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you've got to be very careful about who you're picking. And uh, you must be pretty happy with it. It's a fairly, I'm going to say, overwhelmingly positive. There's always going to be a few negative reactions, but the positivity behind the reaction as well, definitely being a, a specifically being a, a local company, local money, you must be over, pretty happy with that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I wrote my programme notes today about... Um, but it is a controversial issue. It sort of mm-hmm. seems to have come yeah. in over the last in the last decade in particular. Uh, naming rights to stadiums has become a thing. Now, what I, what I say to people who are negative... A club of our size, we're not getting, we're not funding the club on our gates alone. We're m- massively losing money, so we require commercial business to, yep. to to make ourselves tick. And the stadium is something we've got, which is significant. The stadium and the shirt are our biggest two things that we can use. So we, we need companies like the People's Pension uh, and, and all of our sponsors are, are really important. Yeah. Whether they're giving a couple of grand, whether they're giving Absolutely. six figures, it doesn't matter. And I think about five and a half years ago when we initially got Checker Trade in, um, I'd say the reaction was more 50-50 to positive and negative. Now, I promise you, I'm not going to pull an old tweet quote out of the woodwork, <laughs> but as a fan back then, when it went from the Broadfield to the Checker Trade, would you have looked on it differently, do you remember? Were you, were you positive or negative about it changing back then? I can't remember, to be honest. Because I, I think the football 
environment has changed and people accept it a lot more now. I think I think you you massively took a bullet from me there, you in that in that <laughs> sense because because it had already changed that initial. Oh, the Broadfield Stadium. I'll still call it the Broadfield. It's always a Broadfield to me. Like, and I get that. And I probably was one of them. Yep. <laughs> probably still am to an extent. Um, but because we'd we'd already changed, you, you and your colleagues have taken the hit on it on it changing. And, and we've been very clear that all right, we're changing it back to the Broadfield for the time being. But it was going to change. Yeah. And we were very clear on that. Um, so so I totally understand that that I, I still call it the Broadfield. Probably in my, in my heart, it probably still is the. Broadfield. Of course, yeah, yeah. Um, but equally, it makes sense for the club, the fans, everybody to to do do a deal that's there. And, and we've already mentioned it in the podcast not long ago that it doesn't matter. You can call it whatever you like, but pe- if people still want to call it the Broadfield, they can do that whatever they like. But on paper, it makes so much financial sense for the club. It, it's absolutely critical. It's not just oh, we want to call it this because we need a bit more money. You you need that money yeah, just yeah. for the club to survive. I'm, I'm not being funny. If you look at um, the back of Cool Observer this week was about the people's pension saying they're going to help us with our marketing and they have like, yeah. things like shirts for schools the club has not got the money to go and buy all these reception kids shirts they've come in and gone yeah we'll, we'll, we'll do that so yes they're getting a, a brand awareness they're getting a benefit from it yeah. but that is invaluable to, to the club to uh-huh. try and bring in the next generation of fans so Absolutely. It's, an, it's an important partnership for, for us and an equally important sponsorship uh, that was announced this week um, I need to shake your hand over this uh, Nando's no, no, I, can't take, <laughs> I can't take the credit for the Nando's one um, Tom, uh, Tom did the, did the deal with the Nando's. I think they're getting involved with the players and then providing food on occasion. So. But again, it's all positive for the fans. It is, it is fantastic. Now, I need you, if you're allowed, just to take your commercial hat off for a second yeah. and only put your fan hat on. This season. Um, it, it looks like it's becoming a typical Crawley season of the last three, four years. You start quite well, you get a little bit excited, then before Christmas you're out the cups and you're sort of halfway between bottom and mid-table. Um, what, what's your opinion on, on the season thus far? I think that that is the challenge for, for Gabby and also for everybody at the football club that this season does not die out mm-hmm. after Christmas. Yeah. Like, some people, I've even heard people... I've, Probably in the heat of the moment after a game, you're probably thinking, "Ah, the season's over. It's done. It's done." And I get that, and you almost feel it to an extent. But the fact is, we're only seven or eight points off the playoffs. Yeah. Obviously, we're talking before the Carlisle game, so we might be less. Hopefully, uh, afterwards, we might be more. But you've got to cling on to that. That teams come from relegation mm-hmm. zone in December and make yeah. the playoffs. We're we're nowhere near that situation. It's it's very tight. You go and win three or four games on the trot, which we've done in the past this time last year you remember under Harry Gill we took off mm-hmm. and we went on a two two or three month run and we yeah. were unbelievable mm-hmm. if we one, have that run one, again one, one seven out of eight or something didn't we yeah, this yeah. Time last year. So, so I think it's too early to be saying it's it's dead but also as a fan I'm looking over my shoulder thinking alright we've got to keep keep wins ticking over one of the positives of um Gabby so far has been that we haven't gone on a run of losing game after game mm-hmm. we always pick up a win here and there and that's important to, to if you're in a bad run you're losing two but going winning that third one three points in three games isn't a disaster whereas naught points yeah. mm-hmm. out, out of nine is a disaster and with Christmas coming out five games over the next two weeks as you've already alluded to massively important time because you can either kick on from this or like you've said it does sort of kill your season if you have a bad Christmas massively massively and I, we're up against it because we have got injury problems and we've got we've got players missing and obviously Ollie getting suspended um which is going to hurt, but but equally, people are going to be tired. Squads are going to have to be used by everybody at this time. But every squad is as well, isn't exactly. it? Everybody's exactly. in, the, in the same sort of boat. And uh, last question, because nobody's been able to answer this: um, away form. 
what, what, as a fan, what can you? What's what's happening away uh, at the moment? As a fan, the away form, as a home and away fan, as someone who's travelling, the mm. away form is so frustrating because you're that's all, you'd almost rather win away from home than at home if you're travelling because mm. you think you go a long way and it's a, it dictates your day out. Um, they've been trying everything. I mean, even Marcus the kit man has been trying quizzes and trying all sorts of different things on a Friday night to just mix it up. They've been they've altered how they're training on a Friday. It's frustrating for everybody. There's no yeah. there's no definitive answer. There's no exact reason. Um, and and really, I think it almost has become a thing. Like, oh, you're going away. Oh, well, we're not good away from home. Why are we not good away from home? Same same sort of size pitch, typically not far off, and same same eleven players against the same eleven players. It really yeah. doesn't make a difference. Well, Joe, I know it's going to be a busy day for you, so thank you so much for your time. Thanks for talking to Straight Red. And through the magic of editing, I'm going to throw back to Jonathan in the studio. <laughs> Cheers, you. Well, that was really interesting to hear. So thanks to Joe for giving us the time uh, to to chat to Ewan for that. But moving on now to the big question, Ewan. The big question. This is our new um, section, only the second time we've done it, but we have asked on social media. And the question was today, if you could bring back one, one former Reds player from any season back into the fold for the remainder of this season, who would it be and why? Jonathan, what's your answer, first of all, before we go into the fans' answers or the listeners' answers? Not a cop-out, but I do think this is a difficult question. I don't yeah, think there's just one question. player. Oh, here we go. But I'll give you my one player, yep. Matt Tubbs. Do you know what? I completely agree. I, I, and I struggled. I mean, we had lots of great answers and justifying answers as well. They're all brilliant. But I find it hard to look past Matt Tubbs. Top ever goal scorer. Bringing back in his prime is exactly what we need right now. Yeah, and he was always that kind of player that... When you were going to the broadfield to watch a game, you'll be like, yep, I know where a goal is coming from today. We don't currently have that. No offence to Ollie Palmer or anyone else in the team who kind of puts their fo- self forward for scoring goals. But you don't really feel that, do you? You don't really feel that there's that lethal kind of uh, one player who I can mean, do that. I mean, he scored 42 goals in one season, which is absolutely insane. Um, and no, you don't get that very often at, at any level anymore. Um but let's look at your answers. First of all, from the forum, uh, Jim mentioned that through the midst of time, his legs have probably gone by now, but fads, our defence needs all the help it can get. Now, don't forget, Jim, you can bring it back from any season you like. Let's assume it's the 2010-11 season. Uh, and Warren responded to that. Fads is the best defender I've seen play for us, so a very good shape. But a 2011 Matt Tubbs would be handy indeed. Uh, Alex also said Matt Tubbs would be ideal to play up front with Ollie Palmer. We'd have a great shout for the playoffs with those two up front. Obviously, the Tubbs from seven or eight years ago. Moving on to Twitter, Thomas Francis. Anybody? This is really interesting. Anybody from the spine of the team that's missing this season? So he's talking about Jimmy Smith, Roman Vincelo, uh, Philippe Moraes, those players that aren't necessarily fit enough to play all the time, which I thought was a really good point. But going on past seasons, Carl Arnahoe and Grant. Great shape that. Yeah, there's been that a, quite a few shouts for Carl. Yeah, that, that's, Grant, a, that's an absolute great. And name. I don't know if, whether you've kept up with him, but he is banging in goals for Charlton at the quality, moment. Absolute quality, yeah. Um, Phil Brocio, I'm sure that I'm, I'm not sure you pronounce your name, Phil, um, but Phil said agree. Um, James Collins to add to the real bite to the attack again. We had another another James Collins. Ben Blackmore, <laughs> he said Claude Davis for me. Even at 44 years old, I'm sure the bloke would sort us out big time. Claude, for me, was a fantastic player, <laughs> but I thought he was a, a bit risky. He was a bit, even when he joined us, he was a bit past his prime, wasn't he? Yeah, he but would always go in for a tackle, and w- sometimes that would reap rewards, sometimes a straight red. And what an, a, what an absolute unit as well. 
Talk um, about units. Pablo Mills is the next one. He is. Um, we're looking at things in different orders, I think. Well, Alan Williams. Oh, fine. Yeah, Alan. You, um, yes, of course. And he also said uh, Pablo Mills, Alan, as well, which is another good shape. A real sort of strong leader from, again, the Crawley Town. Sort of that golden era of 10, 11, 12. Um, Peter Bellamy, James Collins for me, proven goal scorer in League Two and scored for fun in a poor team. He did indeed. And also helped Luton get promoted, still scoring in League One. So at the moment, it's kind of defenders or attackers, apart from Carlan. Uh, Finn Eschinger, probably Josh Yorworth. That's an interesting one, I thought. We need better, taller and more versatile defenders. Carlan would be a good one, high on the list as well, though. Um it was only the very last minute. I was a bit upset that nobody was a romantic and said Sergio until Luke Moore popped up just before we recorded this podcast and he said Sergio Torres or Matt Tubbs. Sam Cook, he said McFadzine. I think the defence is where we've got the problems are right now or if I think a bit more retro, Thomas Pino, but that might be because I wanted to be in when I was in school. <laughs> <laughs> a good one. Um, Tom said he'd bring back several, but with a lack of goals recently, I'd bring back Carlina Home Grant. And George said Joe Walsh or Gwian Edwards couldn't decide. Both good shapes. Yeah, both both cracking players. And also, Nicky Adams comes to mind as well. Yeah, I mean, I've got a couple here that people didn't mention. Nobody mentioned Tyrone Barnett. He banged in some yes, few goals. Yes, so he was also in his prime. I think he was in his prime during that sort of nine months with us. Uh, again, like you say, Nicky Adams. I loved Gwian. I thought he was great. Uh, nobody mentioned our record signing, Richard Brody. Ah, uh, surprise. Walking in a winter wonderland, <laughs> as so the chart no, goes. Very uh, topical. Uh, nobody mentioned uh, Bobson Balling. Thought you might get a, a, a jokey <laughs> mention. And uh, nobody mentioned everyone's favourite Canadian, Emma O'Connor, either. <laughs> he played about 15 minutes. Yeah, yeah and uh, John why. Gregory got his first ever professional start and uh, subbed off after about, I think it was 18 minutes, and never played again. What about our favourite man, John O'Kindy? Do you know what? The d- he went to Barnet after us, didn't he? Was it Barnet? So. And he banged in about 25 goals a yeah. year. So for he two basically seasons. scores for everyone else. So for if, us. if you can bring that Barnet Akindi back, absolutely. Big, tall, strong attacker that's, that's knocking some goals in, absolutely. But I think the winners here are Matt Tubbs and Carl Arnott Home Grant. Uh, Matt McFad's obviously mentioned a couple of times. Um, if we can bring back all three in their prime, my goodness me, we are looking at the playoffs. <laughs> Unfortunately, I think we might not be getting any of them. <laughs> So I don't know if you've noticed, but quite a few of those players that people have mentioned there, McFadstein, Tubbs, uh, Gorn Edwards, and like Joe Walsh and all those kind of other players, they were the spine of a team for Crawley's kind of golden era, if you could call it that. Absolutely, yeah. Do you think there is more of an expectation to do well now because of that fantastic run that Crawley had kind of um, driving straight up into League One from the conference in back-to-back seasons. Two, two answers to that. First of all, uh, let's look at the FA Cup. I think we very much became accustomed to doing very, very well in the FA Cup. Fifth round, two years in a row, unprecedented success. We've now had five years in a row knocked out in the first round. I think that's where the biggest frustration comes from because we had so much fun, excitement, good times. If you, if I think about my top sort of three memories um, from the last 10 years being a Crawley supporter, they're all in the FA Cup. It's, it's a way at Swindon with Smudger scoring two. Um, it's a way at Hull, winning away there, uh, and uh, and of course sort of Old Trafford and Sergio Torres scoring the winner against Derby. All my greatest memories are FA Cup memories, so that's why it's so sudden, upsetting, and a, and a bit frustrating. You can't help it when you get knocked out of the FA Cup all the time because there's so much good times associated with that. When it comes to the league, I think the fans we've got, we've got 2,000 fans, right? Uh, before the the golden years of 2010 to 2013, 14, let's say. Um, 
we had those 2,000 fans have been with us the last sort of 15, 20 years, call it what you like. During those golden years, our craze went up to 4,000. So new fans came along and it's those fans, I believe, that have also left us. So the fans we're remaining with now are the ones that understand that was uh, a great period, but also an anomaly in the history of the club. So no, I, I think the fans appreciate the size of the club we are, if we're in the top half of League Two, we're probably punching above our weight. Um, so, so FA Cup, yes, very much so. We, we came accustomed to success and it's frustrating. But League Two, I think most fans will appreciate. That was a fantastic team. We'd love to have any of them back in the squad. I th- do you know what? I think if you put together that squad now, they wouldn't be half bad. If you took like those 15 squad members, obviously they, they, they've aged about eight or nine years, but they'd be a great sort of fantasy football team on your Sunday league, wouldn't they? They'd be absolutely awesome. What, your th- what, you, what, what do you think yourself? I wasn't expecting you to ask my question back to me. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I guess... For want of an answer, um, I think yes, people have become accustomed to that to that run of form, and that, uh, like you say, all the memorable moments that people generally talk about when you ask them, you know, tell me about a great moment that you've experienced at Crawley, was maybe Derby in the FA Cup or something like that, or Manchester United, whatever like that. If I asked you what was your top three highlights of the last four seasons, you probably really struggled to think of one or two. Maybe like the, the win against the Wolves at home, was this, which is still sort of four, four-ish, five years ago. But in the last three years, if I asked you for your highlights, you'd be racking your brains a bit, wouldn't you? Because it's all been a bit samey and... Yes, very very much so. But I think you rightly pointed out that, um, and please do correct us if we're wrong by, by assuming this or expecting this. But I feel like you said that the, the core members of, of the Crawley fans that are still going to get matches now have been before that kind of golden era. And so they our understanding of the fact that that was maybe uh, you know a, a little anomaly or a blip in in Crawley Town sort of history and that you know we haven't really had a rich history of all that kind of stuff before let's hope we can kick on this season and actually create some fantastic memories Well, the clock's ticking, Ewan, and uh, if you're still with us, still listening, thank you so much. You are, you're the hardcore fans that are keeping us going here. So before we do lose every single one who's still listening to this podcast, Ewan, let's crack on with some added time. Yeah, this is the last section where we just look ahead at what's coming up. Um, but I wanted to start with a question that we asked, or you, Jonathan, asked on Twitter, which was, we've uh, made a few different length podcasts so far, but what are you interested to know? Um, we'd be interested to know how long is too long. It's a really important question for us. Again, this is your podcast. We're just the ones sat here talking. So we, we are sort of ruled by what you want to listen to, how long you want to listen to us for. Uh, the majority said they don't care as long as it's good, which I thought was a really nice... Which is why we've made you a two-hour <laughs> podcast. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, the, the majority were sort of 40 minutes and above and they don't mind as long as it's good. So hopefully that's what we're going to try and stick to. Um, right, we've had Joe Comple on this uh, podcast for episode eight. I can't release the details at the moment. We are lining up a really great interview for episode eight after Christmas. Everyone will love this person. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, we, we did ask the question who would be on your Christmas list to be on the podcast. Um, and we haven't managed to get it in time for this one. But we're fairly confident for episode eight, which is going to be released after the the, fe- the festive fixtures. We've got a really, really cracking one. And we'll let you know, we will open it up to your questions as well. 
Uh, don't forget the next two games at home after Christmas are going to be two games for a tenner. Uh, so if you're not a season ticket old or you bring friends regularly or if you don't bring them regularly, time to get them down. Two games for a tenner, that is the uh, Colchester and the Cheltenham games. The next couple of away games, of course, we always mention GH travel to those away games. So on Boxing Day, one o'clock kickoff against Cambridge United. Uh, only 12 places available on the coaches currently with GH travel. Um, so we're only taking one coach to that game on Boxing Day. If you want to travel, please book on as soon as possible. It's a one o'clock kickoff, so they're going to be departing the uh, People's Pension Stadium at 9.30 a.m. A few days later, Newport County away. That's a bit of a trek, isn't it? But always a tasty, tasty game. And uh, good memories of that 4-1 win recently. 16 booked on for the trip so far. Um, to part the stadium at 9am, of course, in all of these trips, there's always a buffet lunch, something to enjoy. And it's always 20 quid. So get in touch with Alan um, or via the website if you want to book onto those. Now, uh, Jonathan, I want you to cast your mind back, okay? Cast your mind back to August the 17th. Okay, we're going back in time. August the 17th, 2018. Can you go back that far? Is that date significant for you for any reason? I'm thinking of uh, a nice warm day where I don't have a cold. <laughs> um, you might have noticed Jonathan's voice is a little bit deeper. and um, <laughs> Husky. Um, husky in this one. Um, he's not sort of uh, in, in an amorous mood. He's actually got a cold. So um, we're trying to look after him as best we can. Um, but no, August 17th, 2018. Any memories of that day whatsoever? No, but I feel like there should have been. Straight Red, episode one, oh, release. Amazing. <laughs> and you did mention in that uh, first podcast, and I quote, hopefully by Christmas, we'll have something half decent for you to listen to. Because we were very much experimenting episode one. I just wonder what your thoughts were. And as listeners, let us know. Hopefully we've created something now after seven episodes. It is getting in the direction of uh, what it can be as a, as a regular I think uh, it's changed podcast. quite a bit. Yeah, actually, we, we've taken the, the, the crap game out for starters. <laughs> that <laughs> went, that went down like a lead balloon, <laughs> didn't it? So the game's gone. We've introduced new things like the big question. We're trying to get you involved as much as possible. Uh, and, and you always respond, so we're very, very grateful. And if I just quickly drop in there, just because I love a good stats, guess how many total listens six episodes of our podcast has had? Six on and a half with the Sergio Torres interview. Oh, yeah, six so and a half. Rightly pointed uh, out. I'm going to go around 1,000. Okay, one and a half thousand. Was it really? Wow. So that, that's just over 200 ish listens an episode, which I think is way more than, I mean, how we, we what didn't, did you we, expect? We didn't give ourselves a target, did we, to be fair? Well, I was maybe thinking 10 people, <laughs> you know. Be you, <laughs> you're <laughs> my mum. <mom. laughs> But no, we're, we're, we're honestly so grateful. We love your feedback. We love you getting involved. We want to get you involved as much as possible uh, next season. We may even consider doing short interviews at the grounds after games, depending on people's availability. If you want to ever speak to us, if you ever want to get involved with the podcast, be a part of it. We did mention previously we wanted sort of like uh, Reds on the Road. That never really took off. We had a couple, but it, it's obviously something that's, that's not going to fly. Um, if you do want to get involved, though, please let us know. We'd love to have some fans on regularly for your thoughts. Instead of just me and Jonathan... Um, because we, we, we uh, I think well, our thoughts are generally different, but it's nice to get third, fourth, peer, fifth um, opinions regularly. It would be wonderful. And let us know whether you think the kind of analysis that we did in this podcast, whether that's something that you have enjoyed. You may have mentioned we moved away from talking about individual games and just did an overall review since the last podcast. I think that's the way to go. Because, again, if you're talking about a game two weeks ago, everybody knows what happened. Nobody cares anymore. And we get that. So thank you again um, for listening. Looking forward to talking to you in 2019. If you ever see us at the stadium, we're generally sat up somewhere in the West End doing the commentary for the um, visually impaired. Come and say hello. 
talk to us about the, the bank podcast but other than that have a fantastic christmas let's all hope we have a great festive period on and off the pitch and we can't wait to speak to you again in 2019 yes merry christmas and a happy new year